Real Life Radio is sponsored by River City Community Church. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now this is a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus said in John 10.10. And today's message is called Making Peace with Authority. Just watch the news and hear it from some politicians. People in authority, especially our police departments, are being viewed in a negative light. Well, what's God's vision for authority? And how can it bring life to us and those we care about? A proper relationship to authority is essential for life and faith. This series is called The Letter. Grab a Bible. It's time for Real Life Radio. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Philemon. Whether you have a paperback Bible, leather-bound, or electronic, it's really good to look it up and see it for yourself. Make sure I'm not lying to you, okay? That's always a good idea, all right? This letter, that's the name of our series, The Letter. It's, we're talking about Paul's letter to Philemon, and it really is an unusual kind of thing because it's a very personal nature. It's of a very personal nature. It's a short little book, but he's not talking about big church stuff kind of so much. He's talking about... A personal issue. And most of us, this is really good because most of our interactions are interpersonal. Sometimes we have to deal with big group issues or big church issues, but most often, even in the church, our primary interactions are personal. And that's significant. And this is a beautiful example of how Paul handles it. He writes to Philemon regarding a slave named Onesimus. Now remember, we started this series by understanding Paul has an unusual, if you're a first-time observer, family theme in this letter. In this short few paragraphs, like nine times, another translation said ten times, he makes family references, brother, sister, father. That family idea, and that family idea is core to understanding the church, understanding the scripture, Paul's letters, understanding how we operate. We saw the strength of the church is the bond of family. And if you don't get that, so much of it's not going to make sense. Last week, remember, we talked about reputation. Paul talked about Philemon's reputation, and he affirmed him. In regards to that. And we saw that your reputation matters because it's how you're known, and more importantly, how your father is known. We saw that the church in America has had kind of a reputation issue over the last number of years. Some of it may be a little unfair, some of it may be right on. And the kind of significant, sobering fact is that when you think about it, there's people in our world, in your world and mine, who will never see anything of Jesus. They, didn't get, they weren't raised in church. They don't go to church. They don't read the Bible. The only thing they'll know of Christ is Christians. So our conduct and our reputation becomes their lens into seeing who this Jesus really is. Your reputation matters is because it's how you're known, and more importantly, how your father is known. Now, I'm going to pick up in Philemon in verse 8. But the few verses before that, he really commends what he's heard about Philemon. We talked about that last week, remember? He commends what he's heard. And I want to just say, he's about to kind of talk to Philemon about a difficult issue. He's going to bring up something kind of tough. And this is just a good practice. If you have to have a hard conversation with someone, tell a hard truth or deal with a difficult issue, it's always good, one, that that be in in a relationship of trust, which clearly we have here. But two, that you actually engage by by building that person up before you share this hard truth. And I'm not talking about blowing smoke at someone. What I am talking about, though, is affirming them. 
Letting them know that you, you value them. Letting them know that, that you're having a conversation because you're confident of their desire to be the person God asked them to made, created them to be, to do the things God's asked them to do. And so you affirm them. And that's just a great idea. If you've got to have a tough conversation, begin by reaffirming, reestablishing that relationship of trust and just affirmation that you have with this person. That's what Paul does. But then in verse 8, he gets kind of strong. Listen to what he says. He says, therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal you on the basis of love. Now, I remember when I first read that kind of as a, you know, young adult, and I could order you, and I'm like, I didn't realize this was a military thing. I didn't realize Paul was in the military. He's a colonel talking to a, a captain. I could order you. He's not. He's a minister talking to another leader in the church. Paul's in prison in Rome, and he said, I could order you. How'd you like it? You get a letter from me. This is Pastor Sean. I could order you to do this, but some of you look at me and go, hey, you try it. Just send that letter, Sean. Well, see what happens. Hmm? See what happens. What's Paul doing? That, that's kind of bold. He says, but yet I prefer to appeal you on the basis of love. It's it is as none other than Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he's become useful both to you and to me. I'm sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I'm in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do would not seem forced, but would be voluntary. There's that idea again. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is, a very, he is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he's done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back. Not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. I just want to say, there are some shocking phrases to our kind of contemporary sensibilities, there are some phrases that just are a little uncomfortable when you understand this is the word of God. It is God's word to us. When he says things like, I could be bold and order you, it gives you a little jolt. I don't want it to seem forced. Not to mention you owe me your very self. Confident of your obedience. Paul is speaking with a very confident and clearly understood authority that to us, I think, seems somewhat odd and unusual. And I think it's because we have a problem with authority. I don't think Paul, the Apostle Paul, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is the one who's got the problem. I think it's us. I think we are authority challenged in our day and age and in our culture. I think we're not sure how to handle this. Paul is speaking in a way that is a little tough for us because we struggle with authority. The core of the sin nature, we understand very clearly, is rebellion. And it is rebellion against the ultimate authority. 
That's the core of the sin nature. We talk about it being pride. The core of the sin nature is pride. Well, that's what it is. I'm exalting myself up above God. I don't want there to be anyone who's over me. There's no one over me. You can't tell me. And so there's this idea that I want to be the authority. I want to be kind of almost the God in my own life. And so I struggle and I rebel against ultimately his authority. That's the sin nature. And it creates all kinds of issues. I mean, the creative team took a look at how serious this is and put together a video. Take a look. When you don't submit to authority, you get fired. When you get fired, you can't pay your bills. When you can't pay your bills, you have to move in with mom and dad. When you move in with mom and dad, you revert to childish behavior. When you revert to childish behavior, you throw things. And when you throw things, you get arrested at Walmart. Don't get arrested at Walmart. Rebellion. Not cute when you're 40. (laughs) Thank you to our creative team. Thank you, guys. Rebellion, not cute when you're 40 or 30 or 50 or whatever. I don't think it's cute when you're a little kid, you know what I'm saying? And neither do you. You ever been in a grocery store some kid? I want it, I want it. I'm like, oh, I could fix that. <laughs> Look at that mom who's like, oh, darling, don't. Mommy will get you something else. Oh, no, 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 I, I, I could help you. I got to hold myself back because sometimes you're like, oh, no. There's something broken about rebellion. And we fundamentally understand it when we see it in someone else. According to Dr. Dale Robbins, the core of rebellion is, quote, the unwillingness to be ruled by any source other than self. The the refusal, the unwillingness to be ruled by any source other than self. It's kind of the thing behind the phrase, you know, started as a little kid's phrase because they got the English wrong, but now it's kind of taken off to where everybody says it. You know, you're not the boss of me. You ever told someone, you're not the boss of me? It's kind of like, hey, you, you, don't, you don't tell me. Ryan came home from school one day. Some friend of his always was saying this thing, I'd do it, I won't. And so in our family, that kind of became a thing. You know, someone tells you something, and, I, and to this day, Lori tells me, I'd do it, I won't. You know, and then I do what she said, right? So you know how that goes, right? Some of you aren't getting that. I, I need you to say that with me because you have a desire inside of you. There's something in you welling up that wants to say, I do what I want. Ready? One, two, three. I do what I want. Okay, a couple of you did it well. M- most of you were kind of lame. Say it with some gusto. One, two, three. I do what I want. There you go. And what's so cool about that is the only thing you're going to remember from this message is that. The only thing I'm ever going to hear back from people now around River City is, I do what I want. Thank you. Thank you for that. It's this whole idea of you're not the boss of me. And, you know, we can laugh about certain things and we can see certain things and kind of have fun with it. But I I think this is the root of really big problems. A lot of them. Understand something. Prisons are full of people who simply could not handle authority. They did not. They refused to come under the responsibility and the authority of life, and ultimately someone had to force them. And here's the deal, you know, that's what I've said to parents, man, if you don't teach your kids kind of submit to authority when they're young, somebody else will do it with like handcuffs, billy clubs, and force. And let's take a quick minute to remind you you're listening to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church. 
The series is called The Letter, and if you'd like to hear the full message or even watch the video podcast from Pastor Sean, it's available right now on demand on the sermons page at the River City website called reallife.org. And if you'd like to come check out River City Community Church, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean. Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a simple statement. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life, real life. I talk to a lot of people, and many seem to feel like they're settling for a whole lot less. Hi, I'm Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church, and we are so convinced that we were made for something better. We call ourselves a church for real life. I'd like to invite you to join us for one of our weekend gatherings, which are an exciting and artistic blend of music, reflection, and practical insights, all designed to explore the life that God meant for us. River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Otama Park. Service times are Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 9.30 and 11.15 a.m. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out more, visit us online at reallife.org. God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church. And back to the message called Making Peace with Authority. This is Real Life Radio. remember visiting a relative in a drug rehab and just how sad it was, listening to some of the stories of different people around. Do you know how many of those were rooted in rebellion? Someone who simply refused to kind of grow up and be part of what the responsibilities and life, that life would bring and be under authorities in an appropriate way. I mean, even think about the, the 30-year-old who can't keep a job and really does end up having to go home and live with mom and dad. I mean, everybody has stuff happen in life. But stop and think about it. You've got one job where the boss is unreasonable and really, you know, he's a jerk and, or he doesn't know anything and I know more than him. But then when the second and third and fourth and fifth start lining up and you can never keep a job and you can't take care of yourself because of these ongoing things, it's like, okay, life's telling you something, man. Life is telling you something. There's the reality of every one of us has to grow up to responsibility and we have to learn to submit to healthy authority. And, and I, I remember I had a job and God dealt with me on this uh, when I was just preparing for ministry. I worked for this automotive company and you know I worked for the franchise owner and he owned a number of different franchises. And so I worked in a, his office and then a number of the different deals. And um, he and I did not see eye to eye. This guy was not a believer. We did not see eye to eye on a lot of things. And I remember really wrestling with that. And I'm like, I should quit. I don't need to put up with this, blah, blah, blah. And I really prayed about it. And I think the Lord kind of started challenging me. Wait a minute. Is he asking you to do something that's illegal? Nope. Immoral? Nope. Contrary to Scripture? Nope. Then just do it. I really realize it's not illegal. It's not immoral. It's not contrary to Scripture. And it's his company, and he's paying me. Just do it. And if it's not the right thing, you know who's going to end up paying for it? Him. And really, I had to deal with that. And I think the Lord was trying to teach me some things about, you know, because I thought, you know, I thought, hey, I'm smarter than him. Hey, I know how to handle people better than him. And you know what? In some ways, I was right. But it didn't matter because it wasn't my place. wasn't my company. Not my job. What I needed to learn, what God decided Azaro needed to learn in that case was, it's his company. You're taking his paycheck. That's kind of the contract. That's how it works. Every two weeks, you get a, you get a contract that reminds you, oh, yeah, he's the boss. It's called a paycheck. And I really had to learn this idea. And I've worked for him for several more years. And actually, I have to tell you something. The minute I went through that wrestling match inside and I resolved it, he didn't change. He, he, this was not about him. The minute I wrestled through that thing and dealt with that, my relationship with him got better. And I actually had more influence in that company. 
because I understood a simple principle. It's his company, he's the authority, not mine. And that was a very powerful thing. German sociologist Max Weber, in fact, if you look through just educational texts and different things, his name will crop up because he's, he was, you know, before his death, wrote all kinds of things that were very influential when it came to this idea of authority. He talks about authority as the legitimate, and that's a key word, the legitimate or socially approved use of power that a person or a group holds over another. Legitimacy is the main means by which authority is distinguished from more general notions of power. So there's just power. You can, if I have the power, if, you know, the bigger guns or however you want to say it, to force someone, that's not authority. That's just brute force. Legitimacy is the key. And it distinguishes authority from coercion, just force, other kinds of power, manipulation, things like that. Even influence. Influence is important. But it's not the same as authority. Authority, there's this legitimacy. And that's, I think most of us are intuitively aware of that because it's like we're questioning the legitimacy of authority. And that's where our kind of tension comes from. What's legitimate authority? Well, the Apostle Paul gives some powerful thoughts on legitimate authority in Romans 13. If you have your Bible, slip over there. I want you to read this. I want you to have this so that you can look at this more on your own time. Romans 13, beginning... At verse 1, listen to what Paul says. He says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. Did you hear that? There is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Verse 2, therefore whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. Those who resist will incur judgment. This is some strong language Paul is using. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad Would you have no fear of the one in authority? Then do what is good, and you'll receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. Note that phrase. He does not bear the sword in vain. That's significant. We'll look at that in a minute. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, as if that weren't reason enough, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. That is a mouthful when it comes to authority. Some general thoughts that we can draw from what Paul wrote. All authority is from God. That's a very broad, sweeping understanding, and it's really important for we as believers to understand. All authority, the idea of authority, and the authorities that have been established are from God. That's what he says. Because God is the creator of all things. No, All authority exists because he allowed it and because he delegated it. That's a very important idea. Whether we understand or accept that doesn't really change the truth one iota. It's God's view and it is God's order of things. Authority matters. He established it, and the authorities that exist are there because he allows it. Verse 2, he gets very pointed. All rebellion is ultimately against God. So if I'm rebelling against a boss, because I don't want to do what he tells me to do, it's ultimately against God. If I'm rebelling against the government, because I don't want to do what they tell me to do, it's ultimately against God. He established authority and told us to be submitted. That's what the scripture says. Now, right away, what comes to my mind, I mean, we're Americans and we're freaking out even hearing this, right? 
Our ears are buzzing right now. Just kind of, you guys are wishing this were a two-way thing. It's not. But you were wishing it was because you're like, I, I'll tell you, you know. What about unjust leaders? That's, as I read that, I'm like, well, what about unjust leaders? We consider them illegitimate leaders. Well, here's the reality. Um, there are no perfect leaders. That is the sad reality of living in a sin-stained world. And God knew that when he had the Apostle Paul write that. There are no perfect leaders. And God is absolutely able to work through imperfect, even ungodly leadership. Look what God did throughout the Old Testament. Look how he would use pagan, godless, even sometimes evil leaders to bring about his plan and his will. This is a faith issue. We've got to decide. If I'm going to read Hebrews, I mean Romans 13, if I'm going to read Romans 13 and say, that's the word of God. I'm a follower of Jesus. That is authoritative in my life. I'm going to follow that. I have to have faith that, okay, God, you know what you're doing. And you are able to work even through fallen, sinful leaders, which is kind of good because that's the only kind he's got. Right? Now, there is one exception, and that is if a leader asks you to directly disobey God. Because in Acts chapter 4, 19... Peter and John say to the Sanhedrin, who was a, they, had, they had legal governing authority, and they were telling them, stop preaching this gospel. And Peter and John said, well, you guys decide what's right. Should we obey God or man? And so they obeyed God. And then, it's called civil disobedience, by the way. That's civil disobedience. And there is a time in the life of believers where a, a governing authority might ask you, even demand of you, that you disobey God. And then you have a responsibility now, and then we call it civil disobedience, to say, I cannot do that because of my faith. And in light of that, you then have to be willing to accept the consequences, which is exactly what happened. They ended up in jail. The Apostle Paul's writing, these things we're reading from prison is a classic example. Civil disobedience. And then he, he was willing to walk through and accept the legal penalty for his civil disobedience. And look how God used him in spite of it. Look how God worked in spite of godless leadership. So all rebellion against leadership and authority is ultimately a rebellion against God, according to what the Apostle Paul says. He also says leaders are carrying out God's work. There is a work of order and a work of helping people understand that order that is essential. And he even says that they have a sword. Remember that statement, they have a sword? He says they don't have a sword for no reason. The use of force is biblically justified by proper authorities in proper times to protect the innocent. That's what it's for. So when we talk about police using force to stop lawbreakers and those who would hurt and kill and harm other people, it is a right function of government for them to do that. They are supposed to use force because there are evil people in the world who will use whatever means they have to kill, to hurt, to take what they want from whoever else. (laughs) Every police officer says, oh yeah, no. And it's just true. The same thing with the military. There is an appropriate use. I'm not saying every police officer at every time 
is op- operating in a just way. Again, they are just people. I'm not saying every military action is justified, but it is appropriate for governments in the defense of their nation, in the defense of the innocent, to use force. That's what the scripture says, to stop evil. That is a role of government. It's important. Because what Paul is trying to tell us is authority is essential to order and peace. Authority is essential to order and peace. You can't have it without. That's one of the things, and I want to speak just very plainly with you. I am very disturbed by what has happened in the wake of Ferguson and other instances to the legitimacy of the police force. There is something very dark and insidious that is spreading And it is this view of all police as illegitimate authority. Can you stop and imagine the consequence of that trend? And please understand, I think if a policeman with a proper legal process is found to be guilty of abusing his power, using deadly force in any way that is inappropriate or wrong, I think that police officer should be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. I don't care if it's because of race motive. I don't care if it's because of greed. I don't care. Whatever he is using that and he is hurting people, using his authority wrong, he should be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. The scripture says too much is given, much will be required. We give a great deal of authority to police officers. They should be held to a higher standard in the use of that authority. I get it. I'm sorry, these politicians are present and included who will throw a police officer under the bus before there's been a trial or an investigation. That is wrong. I'm sorry. Thank you, Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Real Life Radio in a series called The Letter. But if you'd like to hear the full message and the series, it's available right now when you find the sermons link at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church located on Lookout Road. See all the details, directions, and service times also at reallife.org. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262 as Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time for more Real Life.